Today we are talking winners, NFL draft winners, the ones who come away with the trophies, who had a fantastic draft and how it's going to impact specific players. Those are going to be our winners today. You know, not the ones who draft a backup quarterback in the first round and then a glorified fullback in the second round. You know the team I'm talking about. We're going to be talking about winners today, mainly looking at individual players. We can also then exemplify that to teams. Welcome to the channel if you're new here. I have a question for you though, a little bit of a debate that I've had within personal group message. Would you rather have Joe Burra or Tua? I'm not talking about just for this year. I'm not even talking about for fantasy in real life for the next five to ten years of your franchise let me know in the comments down below would you rather have joe burrow or two of the first two quarterbacks off the board in the 2020 nfl draft and while you're at it if you have not already i know these videos nfl draft based videos and really just fantasy football they're going to reach a whole new audience from what i'm used to doing since we're getting back into the nfl season so hit that subscribe button hit the notification bell I'm going to be releasing a ton a ton of helpful videos with information for all of you we're going to start it off right away with dakota not the the state, the player, Dak Prescott, uh, was a huge winner without even knowing that he was going to be a winner, right? So you get Randall Cobb in the offseason to get shipped out, a guy who was number one in the league in drop passes last year and surprisingly still not 30 years old. He's 29 years old as he's with the Texans now. Cowboys were going to be in a situation where they had to decide who's going to be our wide receiver three. Is it going to be Cedric Wilson? Is it going to be Devin Smith? And no, no, no. Those, those questions were completely answered when they go out and C.D. Lamb, who is considered by many to be a top 10 prospect and number one wide receiver, in this draft, drops to their spot at number 17. They draft C.D. Lamb, who played and and caught 25% of his passes out of the slot last season, and he also is going to be rotating probably in the slot with one Amari Cooper. So now you look at Dak's weapons, and you have Michael Gallup, somebody who last year had a better year, probably and more than likely, than Amari Cooper, maybe due to some injuries, but a better year last year than him, one of the most underappreciated wide receiver twos in the league last season. You obviously have Amari Cooper, one of the best route runners in the league when healthy, and C.D. Lamb, somebody who's now coming out as one of the most polished wide receivers if not the most polished wide receiver in this draft. And oh yes, they had the number five offensive line when it came to keeping Dak clean last year with one of the best running backs in the entire league who can also catch passes in Ezekiel Elliott. This offense looks great. They shored up some things on their defense as well, getting Trevion Diggs, who was going to be, who was going to be potentially their number 17 pick in the first round. They end up getting him with their second round pick. You're looking at somebody who was number two in the NFL last year with over 4,900 yards. He had 30 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He was number five in deep targets and deep passes. There are questions around can this offense sustain these three wide receivers and Zeke are they going to just be too efficient that wouldn't hurt Dak Prescott that would hurt the receivers and the question marks on those receivers like a Michael Gallup now like a CD Lamb what are their target shares going to be but for Dak he's just going to be taking the fruits of all of their labors at that point point. and if anything maybe having these three wide receiver sets on the field with a lot of attention on those wide receivers in the secondary opens up some more rushing lanes for Dak Prescott last year had 277 rushing yards and three touchdowns and he started to run the ball more later in the year. Now you're going to get an upgrade out of the slot from Randall Cobb, an aging receiver who had a lot of drop problems last year, to C.D. Lamb, the young stud coming out of college. Drew Locke just be looking like he's still a freshman in college in this in this player profile picture, but Drew Locke I have as the next winner, the number two winner. The Denver Broncos in general had a fantastic draft, but they went out and they got two very good weapons for Drew Locke. They already had Cortland Sutton on the outside. Cortland Sutton's target share last year actually increased after Drew Locke took over, so he started looking at Cortland Sutton more. The downsides were that he just wasn't completing passes to him. Cortland Sutton averaged under 10 fantasy points per game over the last five games of the year last year after having his target share increase. So very inefficient quarterback play and just deemable passes going downfield. And a big reason why is 27% adjusted completion percentage for Drew Locke was one of the worst in the league when targeting receivers 20 or more yards downfield. So what do they do? Well, they end up taking Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton out of the offense by drafting Jerry Judy, who is considered the best route runner in this class out of Alabama 
and KJ Hamler, who is considered one of the best slot receivers in this class out of Penn State. Barry Judy, a first round talent, Hamler in the second round. This offense is now going to be brand new equipped with a second year tight end in Noah Fant, who before his injury was starting to pick up seam and really start to break out a little bit. Third year stud receiver in Cortland Sutton. And the best thing is that Jerry Judy's ability on the outside, now that they have KJ Hamler in the slot, is going to not impact the X wide receiver role, the number one wide receiver role of Cortland Sutton. They won't be running the same routes. So what the Broncos did in such a savvy manner was drafting wide receivers that complemented Drew Locke's skill set of not being able just yet to have the confidence as a rookie last year, now a second year player, to throw all downfield to Cortland Sutton. Uh, so they complemented Drew Locke, but they also complemented their number one receiver in Cortland Sutton. He's not going to have to be in competition for targets and specific routes with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Their offensive playing styles at wide receiver are completely different. So Drew Locke's 56.9 PFF passing grade last year and his 64% completion percentage. The completion percentage was good. He was good at targeting players uh, short. I mean, Philip Lindsay is going to help that, right? You still have Melvin Gordon now in this backfield. So an offense that is completely rejuvenated in a way uh, after this NFL draft and going to look completely different, that passing grade of 56.9 entering into his second year should really, really help. I think this draft was a huge, huge win for the Broncos on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it was such a huge win that I think two of them were winners. And the entire offense of the Denver Broncos really gets a win here, a big boost. But we talked about Cortland Sutton. There was a lot of question marks for Cortland Sutton after last year and really heading into this draft if they were going to draft a receiver that would really hurt Cortland Sutton's upside. He broke out the past two years and he had a thousand yard season last year and he ended up overall playing 95% of the snaps on a team that only threw the ball the 25th most time in the league. He had 126 targets and 26 deep targets. And again, those targets were not that accurate most of the time towards the second half of the year coming from Drew Locke. 72 receptions, over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. He averaged 13.9 fantasy points per game and he really is set to take a huge leap yet again entering into his third year. But the question marks were starting to come about. One, is Drew Locke going to have enough weapons? And two, will any of those weapons really interfere with Cortland Sutton? If C.D. Lamb was to be taken by the Denver Broncos, it would really create this environment where C.D. Lamb and Cortland Sutton's skill set, they, they don't mesh that well at all. They're really just counterintuitive to each other. But Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, like we were talking about, they're the perfect complements to this offense and Cortland Sutton, ex-wide receiver. And if you don't know, that just means a specific routes, the dominating receiver on the outside, usually the focal point of the offense. His role is not to be interrupted now. So you saw the target share increase from Cortland Sutton. Now with these weapons there to take a little bit off of the the attention that Cortland Sutton is going to draw out there now with another year in an offseason for Drew Locke and hopefully they get time after the quarantine and the pandemic to actually work together a little bit more but this offense in general should click a lot better there should be a lot of opportunities via play action passing with Melvin Gordon back there now I do enjoy and I really do like how Cortland Sutton came out of this draft the ways that they drafted wide receivers in this draft I think if anything yes there's a couple more mounts out there but they complement his game so well so this is probably the last person that you thought the new Miami Dolphin the a two-year deal for just under $10 million, $9.75 million in Jordan Howard. And I personally thought that you would see a running back in the first three rounds get drafted to the Miami Dolphins. And then the draft capital out of those first two or three rounds would have been more and at least pushed a running back by committee in Miami. And now we can still see it with a late round running back, but it's probably not going to be the same case. These late round running backs aren't going to be making close to three to five to three to four to five million dollars in their two years with the team or their first two years with the team like Jordan Howard will and you could always see Jordan Howard get cut and there's no really long-term commitments to him but based on the way that they drafted it seems like the Jordan Howard new signed deal is going to be at least right now their number one running back on the depth chart heading into the preseason so you had Jordan Howard injured last year and he's always been a producer and he's always been somebody who can at least add some versatility to his game not a fantastic pass catcher but he's going to average a little over a reception per game he played in nine games last year he caught 10 balls he played 
played 44% of the snaps, 525 yards and seven total touchdowns. He was on an offense that ran the seventh most times in the league in Philadelphia. He's not completely efficient, but he's also not the worst. He was a 19th running back last year in terms of combining for your overall team's yardage and touchdowns. He was number 19. That's a dominator rating by player profiler. The downsides of his game, and it's only going to get worse as he continues to age, is that Jordan Howard is somebody who at this point of his his span is 26 years old, is not really in his prime of a running back, maybe coming towards the bottom end of it for his type of a game, but you're seeing him not create any yards. He was outside of the top 40 45th to be uh, sure is in yards created last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. But he has to be a winner in this, in my opinion. You had a ton of running backs go off the board. 10 running backs went off the board in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, and none of them went to the Miami Dolphins. There's still some running backs, as I actually record this with the final day of the NFL draft going on, some running backs on the board who would maybe make things a little bit interesting, but based on their draft capital, based on how much money they would actually be owed compared to Jordan Howard's deal, he's still going to be the number one running back there. So yes, he's not a sexy pick. He's not somebody that you want to pick in your second or third rounds of your draft, but if he's still on the board entering your fifth or your sixth rounds there, you're getting a starting running back and a brand new offense. They draft a new quarterback, right? Too, or they draft new offensive linemen. This is a very sneaky spot for Jordan Howard, and he somehow walks away clean. Miami had five, six picks in the first three rounds, and they didn't take a running back. Very interesting. Winner, Jordan Howard. So if you do not know who Denzel Mims is, he's a rookie, and he was just drafted by the New York Jets in the late second round, and he was very much comped to go in a lot of mock drafts in the first round to potentially the Vikings, potentially the Packers and at least the early second round, but he falls a little bit and he's a big bodied receiver that the Jets need. And here's the thing. He falls into the perfect situation. They have Jamison Crowder in the slot and nobody else is really out there for the Jets losing Robbie Anderson. He played four years at Baylor. He has four, three, eight speed, the third fastest 40 time in the NFL draft. And his comps are Braylon Edwards and Chris Godwin, six, three, 207 pounds. And he's 22 and a half years old as he enters the league, had over a thousand yards in his 2019 season at Baylor on a 24.1% target share, averaging over 15 yards per receiver. So some of the pros in his overall game, if you don't already know, his size and speed combination are consistently getting him open and also creating yards after the catch. He broke out at a very young age, which is usually a good indicator that you're going to have success. 19 years old is when he broke out. Most players don't break out until they're about 20 and a half to 21 and a half years old. He had a very good combine, a very good senior bowl. The downside is that he has a limited route tree while he was with Baylor and he doesn't sell his routes all that well. Doesn't really create the, the head fakes, doesn't have the dead legs as much, but those are things that you can add to your game. The landing spot is what matters. Late second round pick, he was number one receiver taken off the board for the New York Jets, and you can be sure that he's going to be used in this offense right away. So I think it's a very sneaky spot for him. I think he's a win in this situation. If you're playing dynasty and rookie drafts, I think he has to be ranked now over some of the other guys who were taken ahead of him just based on the landing spot and the draft capital of being picked in the second round. Denzel Mims is a winner out of Baylor. Now, when this all started, John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders were not looking that great, in my opinion, after their first two picks. Uh, in this, in the first round, taking a defensive back that nobody's really ever heard of, taking Henry Ruggs with their first overall pick and just being in love with the speedster, even though it's pretty proven now that size and speed combination matters more than just purely speed. Ask any of the receivers over the past uh, decade or two that have come out of the NFL draft. It's side plus the speed combination. A.J. Brown compared to Hollywood Brown last year. Any of the receivers that were taken compared to John Ross uh, the year before for that. But Derek Carr has to be a winner here. You come out of the draft with three wide receivers taken in the first four picks, three wide receivers taken in the first three rounds by your general manager and coach. You add Henry Ruggs to the 12th overall pick. He's a burner downfield. Now he's entering into an offense where in 2019, 35 pass attempts per game ranked only 24th in the league for Oakland. And you only saw 47 deep balls on the entire season, less than two per game, about one and a half per game from Derek Carr of 20 or more yards downfield. That was 25th in the league. That's not good 
good for Henry Ruggs. That's not good for Tyrell Williams, but maybe we see that change now in this offense. They also went out and they drafted Edwards, Brian Edwards, and Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. He played quarterback there because the quarterbacks got injured, and he actually led the SEC in rushing yards as a quarterback wide receiver hybrid after having to take over as the Wildcat quarterback. They add Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, the University of South Carolina, and he has the speed and combination of his speed plus size that actually set him apart. He can break tackles and get separation with ease. He was seen as a very nice sleeper in this entire draft. His downsides are just the ball tracking and his off the line of scrimmage versus press coverage, which are things that a lot of rookies will struggle with and have to just sort of learn on the fly. 212 pounds, 6'3", and he's 21 and a half years old to add to the mix of now Tyra Williams, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, the first round pick, and Lynn Bowden, who was actually taken back to back, Lynn Bowden, and then Brian Edwards with picks, I believe, 80 and 81 in the second uh, round of the NFL draft, second and third round, second day. So very interesting. They add three wide receivers for Derek Carr, a player in Derek Carr last year who was very underrated, believe it or not. He had 76 red zone attempts. That was top 10 in the league. He had the number one protection last year, threw for over 4,000 yards, over 20 touchdowns, and he was number seven in true passer rating while also being number 10 in adjusted yards per attempt. He was very just efficient. Now his downsides were his number one receiver was Tyrell Williams, who's really just a number two receiver, a burner, and that might not gel that well with a guy like Henry Ruggs. The upsides was the middle of the field where he had his Darren Waller. Obviously his running back and Josh Jacobs can take a step forward this year. So this offense now has a ton of weapons and a ton of versatility, especially the depth at wide receiver. It's just a matter of making all these pieces come together. A lot of speedsters, not really a true alpha number one receiver out there, but seems to be an alpha tight end and an alpha running back. The pieces are coming together. The protection is there on the offensive line. Derek Carr came out of the 2020 NFL draft as a major winner. So a ton of running backs came out of this NFL draft as losers, whether they were drafted to running backs by committees or the other running back in that backfield became a running back by committee. Now, this might be a running back by committee in Kansas City for Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of LSU, but he's likely already going to make more money as a first round pick with the draft capital than Damian Williams final year on his deal for about $1.8 million this year. Now, Clyde Edwards Hilaire caught 55 balls last year after only catching 11 the year before. He goes from the best system in college football last year to likely the best offensive system with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the NFL this year. And the best part about it was he was taken in the first round with pick 32. So he has that draft capital to incentivize them to put him on the field more. His downsides are that he's not that great in pass protection, which is going to be a major issue. If he can sure that up just a little bit, he can actually take the role of a three down back in this Kansas City Chiefs offense. PFF graded him as an 85 last year, second best overall rusher and the number one running back in wins above replacement, a statistic that they broke out last year for running backs in this entire league. His efficiency was up there as well. His downsides, like I said, pass protection, speed and size, but those things will all kind of gel together once you enter the NFL and get some more experience and coaching under your belt. But entering into this offense as a pass catching running back, as a true weapon, you might see him catch 60 plus balls as a minimum this year. Uh, And then it only goes up if he can add to that on the ground and get some sort of red zone role. Clyde Edwards Hilaire picked in the first round. The only running back picked in the first round was a major winner this year. So those are seven winners in the NFL draft from the 2020 season, individual players. I'll have the losers in another video, right? Uh, The downsides. We have to start with the positives, the winners here uh, for 2020. I appreciate you tuning into this video. Be sure if you watch it all the way through, if you have not already entered and answered the question of the day today, would you rather have Joe Burrow or Tua? if you were starting an NFL team for the next five or 10 years and let me know in why down below in the comments, I would love to interact with all of you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell before you leave this video on the end screen. You'll see which next video is going to come up that I think will be very helpful for you. And I'll also be putting out the losers video very soon. So depending on when you're watching it, it might be that video. So you should check that one out too. Thanks for tuning in. NFL content for the 2020 season is going to be dropping almost on a daily basis, especially when we get closer to the season. My name is Salavetri. Hope you have a great rest of your day and I will see you in the next one.